Welcome to a special edition of Dugout Dish Podcast. I'm here as usual with my co-host Keith Glasser. Keith, how are you? Great, how are you? And once again, we have a special guest, an incredibly knowledgeable college baseball mind, Jonathan Grasse. Thanks for coming. Now, nah, thank you guys, man. I mean, I'm I'm super fired up for this. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week before you guys did your, your reach um picks and i'm like yo let me get in on this because you know like i said last week on the podcast like man on a tuesday night in the middle of april i'm locked in on you know austin p in kentucky so i'm ready to go love it love it this will be fun for so you know we made our picks last week i want to touch on like a couple like takeaways that you guys might have from the regionals. I thought there was some pretty interesting stories. And then we're going to get into – we're going to break down some supers, make our picks for the World Series, and, and see what happens here. So, Keith, I'm going to kick it over to you. Like, a couple takeaways from the regionals that you thought were interesting. What, what do you got for us? Uh, number one, I, I thought the the performance that Wake put on was absurd. Um, they went Reno. And then I think they went 15 nothing, 21 to six, and 12 1 or 13 1. Like, I mean, what we thought was going to be a little bit of a tougher regional with Northeastern and Maryland, um, neither of them make the finals with, with Wake. It ends up being them and George Mason. Um, I mean, they just uh, they put up video game numbers over the course of the weekend. And we'll, we'll kind of get into that as we go. Um, through this. And I think the other one, the, the other big takeaway was um, how good Oral Oral Roberts showed up in the Oklahoma State Regional. Um, you know, you had made mention last week that they were they were probably the best four seed in the entire tournament. Um, and then the amount of, uh, of Twitter, Twitter posts I saw of like, look at these dudes that they're rolling out there. Um, I mean, they're they're a really, really good baseball team. Um, you know, they've won a lot of baseball games. Um, they have the longest winning streak in the country with 21 straight games. Um, and, and they're beating everybody, you know. So I, I thought that those were the for me, those were two of the biggest ones. I mean, obviously, you know, Duke coming out and, and a lot of the, I mean, I think seven national seeds didn't make it on. So they're there, that's a huge kind of uh, you know, overview of, of what happened. But, you know, specifically those two things I thought like wow, like the, those were two impressive regionals out of those two teams that I, I thought were were of worth note. Yeah, great points there. Jonathan, what do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Keith kind of sold me there at Oral Roberts. I'm obsessed. You know, I'm a pitching guy, and, you know, I got all of it in front of me. But, you know, they're insane on the mound. They can beat you a ton of different ways. You know, for – and I think one of the things, too, I think which is the most impressive – um, and, and we've seen four seeds get through the regionals in the last few years. We don't have anybody last year, but I know, you know, I think we've had four in the last like six years or seven years, something like that. Um, but to sweep and have no issues, you know, no real issues. I mean, they obviously went down early to, you know, to Washington, but to really not have a hiccup, like, I think that was the most impressive part of, of, of them, you know, getting to the next level, um, and getting to the supers, um, the other thing I think that's interesting, um, and I think this is a really cool stat, and in, in the last two years, 
the team that has won the national championship in the conference tournament has either been 0-1 or 0-2. Um, and I, I think we see that again this year. Um, you know, UVA didn't have a great showing. Um, TCU obviously ran the table. Um, but, you know, I think when you look at it, you know, South Carolina, I mean, as good as South Carolina looked last week, and I mean, you saw that at Hoover two weeks ago. <laughs> they look like a team that was easily not getting out of their bracket, right? They probably didn't even just, you know, I don't we can call what what it is, whether they deserve to host or not, but they didn't look like a team that would advance and 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 steamroll their way really through their own regional. Um, but if you look at you know 2022 Ole Miss, you know, they go one in a Q in, in, in Hoover, and then 2021 Mississippi State wins the whole thing. They went 0-2 in Hoover with a bye. It just goes to show you, it doesn't really matter that conference tournament. It, it, I think it goes more for, you know, your last, you know, seven, eight games in a regular season. Um, and again, nothing against what you catch, you know, lightning in a bottle because teams have obviously done that. But, you know, you look at Vanderbilt who, you know, I, I, I would say, you know, between them and Auburn, probably the worst showing, you know, right? They both host. Vanderbilt is SEC champion. Auburn goes two and a Q. Those two teams, right? Like especially Vanderbilt, they they looked awesome in Hoover two weeks ago, and they couldn't get to a regional final in their own bracket. So um, I think that's a kind of an interesting, you know, part of 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 this, and you know, kind of going forward. Yeah, no, you hit on some really good stuff there. I think for me, I'm gonna you guys hit on a bunch of stuff that I'm sure we're gonna talk about more. I thought there were some cool storylines, right? You got the rider story them making some noise like it's always cool to see a smaller school a lot of people who follow college baseball probably don't even know who they are they might even know Ryder University exists they've been good they've had good players Dr. Barry Davis does a good job up there they go down they compete their butts off they're able to to make some noise I think the George Mason story is really cool I happen to live 20 minutes from them you know new head coach taking over for for Coach Brown, who'd been there for a long time, they make a run in their conference tournament, get a bid. They go out there, they compete their butts off. Um, you know, they got they got transfers, they got old guys, they got some young guys contributing. I thought that was a cool story. Um, Penn obviously making it to the the regional final. That's you know, a second year in a row, and Ivy League team's been in a regional final. I think it speaks to the quality of baseball that's being played in that league right now. Um, those stories are always cool to me. There's a couple players that fired me up. Uh, Riku Nishida out of Oregon. Like, I could watch that kid play baseball all day, every day. He's electric. And one of our good friends got a chance to coach against him this year, and we were texting him about him. He's like, he's one of the favorite kids I ever watched play. Um, so there's some cool stories, some cool names. You guys touched on a bunch of them. So I'm not going to, you know, beat a dead horse there. But uh, let's move on. Let's get started with regional number one which we're going to start with the the bracket that's going to start tomorrow. So we're going to kick it off with South Carolina, Florida. Jonathan, lead us into this one. What are your thoughts? Man, I'll be honest with you. Like, it's going to be like, man, he just got on, he gets on, he starts, you know, using the favorite word. But I think on paper, like, if I'm looking at it, this has got to be my favorite bracket. Like, it's got to be like, you know, South Carolina get, you know, Florida goes up to South Carolina this year. They get swept, right? South Carolina sweeps Florida 3 0. No issue, really, no issues. Um, and South Carolina looks like at that point, maybe, maybe the best team in the country, right? They, you know, they split with LSU, I think, a week or two later. Um, and there's a lot of people that are like, 
this is the real deal, right? And, and they had won a lot of games early on. Um, and whether they're, you know, the schedule, whatever it is. But I think at that point in the season, you're looking at it and you're like, South Carolina is the real deal. For the first time in, you know, maybe five, six, maybe even more years than that, they are a legitimate national, you know, champion contender. Um, you know, and then they kind of get hit with the injury bug. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously Ethan Petrie's, he is what he is. He's got 23 balls, 75 RBIs. Like the, the dude can exit at any moment. He can change the game at any moment. They're really, really, really good. They dominated in their regional. Um, and, 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 you know, and I think you'll hear me say this a lot when I was going through a lot of it today is like, you know, that hot, cold, hot, right. Like that, that's kind of a real thing at, you know, at this point in the season where teams are hot, maybe they cool off. South Carolina obviously got hit with the injury bug. Um, and then they get hot again. But all that said, I'm going to go with the Gators. I think getting swept up in South Carolina, I think the, the you know, the, this re, or this super regional being hosted in Gainesville is a big deal. Um, obviously, Cags, you know, Jack Hagley, ridiculous two-way, you know, maybe one of the best we've seen. He's, he's going to break or he did break the record for, you know, most BB core home runs. Um you know, and then obviously with, with Langsford and, and Rivera, you know, they're just – they're so explosive offensively. BT Ryapel freaking tore it up last week. And I, I I joked with somebody the other day. I was like, man, I turned on like the, the Florida the Florida regional like three times, and I think every time I turned it on, he hit a home run. Um, I just think in their own building, South Carolina basically is going to have to take five of six from, from Florida. Gators? I like to pick. I like to pick. Coach Glass, what do you got? Um, I'm uh, I'm in the I'm in, I'm with the Gators as well. Um, <clears throat> the thing I found interesting when I went through all of these regionals, and you hear me talk about this, I, I kind of broke down at you know how many free nineties each team kind of gave out over the course of the year, and you know you talk free nineties, and it's something that we can get a little bit analytical from a a baseball standpoint, but it's you know, errors, pass balls, walks, hit by pitches, box, wild pitches, things like that. Um, I was actually pretty surprised to see that Florida averages seven and a half a game. Um, for somebody who's 48 and 15, like that's a pretty high number. Um, you know, but Jonathan's point, like they they mash baseballs. I mean, they got a dude who had 31 bolts this year. Like that's that's just absurd. Um you know, I, I do think a, a, their bullpen is a, a tad bit of a question mark. Um, but, I, I, you know, they're 33 and six at home. Like, I, it's it, you get into like, you get to this level of baseball. Like, you're playing a team who swept you on the road. You're going to have to win five of six, like Jonathan said. Like, that's really hard to do. South Carolina's 10 and 10 on the road this year. You know, they don't play the greatest on the road. You know, and if you're 33 and six at home, like it's going to be hard to go into, you know, Swamp 2.0, I, I would say, and, and try to win that series. You know, I, I think Florida comes out of this and and gets to Omaha um, on the tail end of the series. It might be a 2-1, like they might face, the, they, like they might get to the F necessary, but, you know, I, I just thought that Florida, they end up losing to Texas Tech 5-4, and I, I think they gave up two runs after that. They, they handled... UConn really well in the regional. And then I think they blanked Texas tech in two straight games in the regional. Like the pitching is going to be there. I think for the super 
and they're they're just going to hit it way better than South Carolina over the course of the weekend. And I, I think the Gators get to Omaha. Yeah, I'm on that train too. It was almost like Texas Tech pissed them off, and it was almost like that game focused them. Um, I think this is the second best team in the country, top to bottom. I do. To your point, Keith, I think there might be they had some ups and downs in the bullpen, but. I mean, outside of Wake, is anybody going to run three better dudes out at you, you know, on a, on a three-game set? Like, I mean, you got Sprout, you got Waldrop, you got Caglione. I mean, in Waldrop, they're calling Waldrop. I've seen some articles about calling him the pitchability guy. Like, dude is 94 <laughs> to 97 when I was watching him throw the other day with multiple pitches and feel, and he competes his butt off. Um, I love the way that kid handles himself on the mound. I was actually texting one of our players that said, hey, turn the game on. This is how you act. Like it, it's super calm. It's such a consistent pace. Uh, just the utmost confidence, bordering on cocky. Like I just love watching that kid throw baseballs. Um, Langford, he's going to be a top five pick in the draft. And yeah, Dylan Cruz is probably the lead position guy, but you could argue that Langford's just as impressive. I mean, he can, he can do it all. I think Rivera is a future big leader at short. They got this freshman Curlin playing second base who walks into the ACC and hits 16 bolts and hits 300. Like you got him and Petri in this series. And you know, you're talking about two of the best freshmen in the whole country. Um, I think South Carolina, like obviously their, their track record's really good. To Jonathan's point, the hot, cold, hot thing, I think that does matter. Like they're playing good baseball right now. So Florida can't slip up. Like they're going to need to play clean. They're going to need to do some things. South Carolina is super dangerous. They – they rely a lot on home runs. They they rely a lot on the big swing, the big inning. And while that sometimes can lead to some deficiencies offensively, it also makes them super dangerous. Like they're an error in a walk away from a crooked inning. Um, they got a bunch of dudes who can leave it. And like Petri, there's no yard that can hold that kid. I mean, what he's doing as a, as a freshman in that conference is just otherworldly. But with that being said, it's on the road. Florida's at home. I like those three big dogs to be able to go chew up some innings. They don't have to rely on that bullpen quite as much. So I think we got a clean clean sweep with the Gators here. We're going Gators here, to Omaha. I'm, here, I'm going to throw one thing in here on this, and, and, and this is going to contradict the three of us. And I heard this today, and I think it's a good point. I think one of the things that we kind of all hit on with that Florida bullpen is normally, right, everyone plays – you know, and, and again, in the SEC, it's a little bit different because, you know, a lot of times they'll play on, they'll spotlight guys on Thursday. But does Florida have to win on Monday and then come back to Friday, change some things for them as opposed to South Carolina, who's on clean three games? Yeah, you know, they only played three games last weekend. So Florida obviously had to play four plus the extra day. Does that throw a wrench in this, this whole, this whole super? Uh, that's an interesting point. Like, what if, like, what if Sprout goes out and he's not quite as sharp and they have to go to the bullpen a little bit earlier? Like, we've talked about this. You know how this works, Jonathan. When you're playing a three-game set, if you have to go to your bullpen and guys that you rely on early in a series, like, it reduces their effectiveness later. And, like, Noted. this is the game within the game that – becomes complicated like if you need to go to your best guys early in the outing on friday to try to win that game one if you have to bring them back on saturday like 
yeah, you're talking about the end of the season, so you're probably bringing them back on Sunday if you need to. But you're taxing these guys in a different environment, and it, 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 it you don't know what's going to happen. And it's that's the game within the game, and you know sure. it'll be interesting to see what happens if uh, if if Florida does have to go to that bullpen early. Maybe South Carolina hits one of those three run jobs and is able to get up early. Um, it'll be interesting. Be fine. Right, regional number two. Duke at UVA, little inner ACC battle. Keith, kick us off for here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is going to be a. This is probably one of the more interesting supers, in my personal opinion. I mean, Duke won the series in late April um, at UVA when right before they kind of took a slide. We talked about in the last one where you know I kind of hit on the the high academic Dukies and I, I picked them to get out of that regional. Um, you know, but UVA is also 35 and four at home this year, you know, for the two of those four losses are to Duke. Um, you know, so I, I do think that, I, I, you know, Duke's not going to be scared walking in there to, to take on the Cavaliers this weekend. Um, you know, I, I do think one of the biggest things that UVA has going for them is that they're, they're not going to beat themselves. You know, they're, you know, they give up five free nineties per nine. I mean, it's going to be really hard to go in there and beat them. You know, in you can say what you want. You know, Duke went in there and beat them. Like, I, I yes, they did, and and I already touched on that. But like, you know, over the course of sixty games, like it, it's tough to really keep that level and win every single series. You know, there's only one team I think, and we talked about it the last time with Wake. Like, you know, they won every single ACC series. Like, that's hard to do, man. Like, you know, Duke is good, but. You know, ultimately, I think UVA, I mean, they're hitting 334 as a team, man. Like that's at this point in the year, after 60 games, you're hitting 334 as a team. And they only have, I say only, they only have 76 bolts. Like they're not really, you know, they're not leaving the yard at the clip that Florida and Wake and, you know, South Carolina, who are all over 100 are doing, you know, they're, they're going to. They're going to hit singles and doubles and they're, they're going to steal bases and, and they're going to put a lot of pressure on you. And they're also pitching at a three, eight. I mean, you're going to have to go in there and play flawless baseball in a super regional on the road to beat them. And I, you know, personally, I just don't see that happening. Like I, I think Duke might be able to steal a game, you know, but at the end of the day, I think UVA walks out of there um, getting to Omaha for, uh, you know, another year just based on, I mean, they're 48 and 12, they're 35 and four at home. Like I just think they're too good to get beat by Duke at home in a super and, and UVA gets on to the gets to Omaha again. Keith in on the Wahoos Cavaliers coach Grasse, What do you got? The thing with Duke is there they're, they're playing, you know, kind of like that, you know, they, they, well, they got off to a little bit of a slower start, but they're playing, you know, really well at the right time. And and obviously that's probably really cliche to say, right? Like everyone's playing really well this time of the year. Um, I think the one thing that can, can maybe give, you know, UVA an issue, and, and maybe it did last time, is just they'll mix and match with that bullpen. Like they only have one guy. If you look at their website, they have one guy with qualification innings, which is pretty wild right now. You know, like this late in the season to have, you know, everybody in, you know, that darker gray. Um I think that's that's pretty interesting, and um, they had a guy I coached who actually broke their single season appearance record. Uh, pitched for me at Brown, Charlie Bielinson, um, and, and they'll just mix and match like they don't care. They'll just you know, they'll run a guy out here and there. 
Um, they got a grad transfer that's their number one. Um, who you know he's the he is that only guy in that qualification innings, which again wild. Um, for me, Duke beat him in the series since since they lost to Duke in that series. They went six and zero in ACC play. They went one and one in the ACC tournament, but kind of what I started with is that doesn't really matter, right? They they swept Louisville at home, swept Georgia Tech on the road. They got five guys, everyday guys hitting over 300. You know, you got Teal and Gel off, like, you know, like like Keith said, like the, the pitching's elite, you know, hitting 330, like UVA is going to the World Series, in my opinion. That, that's just where I'm at. Yeah, I'm on the UVA train too. I think a couple of things that stick out to me. I had the, I guess you call it the pleasure of coaching these, coaching against these guys at William and Mary when they were 14 and 15. You know, they won the series in, in the national title in 15. I actually thought the 14 team might have been better, um, but offensively they we'll remind me a lot of they they remind me a lot of that group. Super dangerous, super athletic. It's elite defenders in the middle of the field. I mean, Teal is a shortstop playing catcher. He's really fun to watch. Um, O'Farrell is as steady and consistent of a defender as there is, and he'll make that wild play. And then you got the O'Donnell kid who's a freak athlete in center field. And then you got Salk, and then you got Anderson, and then you got Geloff. Like, it's a really deep, really complete offensive unit. And like a typical UVA team, they do all the little stuff really, really well. They're not going to beat themselves. They're going to catch the ball. They're going to throw the ball where it needs to go. And they have that – they don't have that huge juice that those other programs have, but every kid in that lineup's dangerous. And they got a little bit of diversity too. You know, O'Farrell's not going to leave it a bunch, but the kid's hitting 394. He's a freaking hit machine. And he's at the top of the lineup. He gets on base. And then you got to deal with all these other dudes – that are all super dangerous. So offensively, I think they're going to be really tough for Duke to handle. The one thing that you did mention, Jonathan, that throws a wrench in this whole thing is that when you're going through that lineup, the way that Duke wants to pitch kind of with that opener and then mix and match, find out, all right, they got two lefties coming up next inning. Let's bring in a guy who's going to match up all against them. These kids don't get different. They don't get to look at the same guy multiple at bats. And there's a chance that if Duke is able to do it the way they want to, that Teal and Geloff may not see the same pitcher twice in a game. And I do think that that factors in because you're looking at different angles, you're looking at different pitch mixes, different styles. And, yeah, those two are two of the better offensive players in the country. But if you're going to try to negate them, that's one way to try to do it. On the mound, the numbers are really good. It's not the staff – it's not just like elite stuff staff, right? They, they pitch really well. They pitch to the things that they do really well. Um, you know, they got Early, who's really trying to get to that breaking ball. Watched him throw against ECU the other day. He's fun to watch. Um, Eddington will probably throw Sunday. They'll throw Parker on, you know, game one. Super consistent, four-pitch mix guy, really good competitor. And then they're just trying to bridge it. Like, they're trying to get to Wolfer and Barry at the back end. And you'll see Jaxel, you'll see Blanco, you'll see Tonus. And they'll use those all different ways. Like, they might bring Bronco in for one guy just to finish an inning so they can get to the next guy. So how they manage that staff is really interesting. Duke, I think the player that probably everybody, their eye goes straight to is the Mooney kid. 
I mean, he's kind of what makes him go at shortstop. He's a really fantastic player, and it'll be really interesting if their strategy offensively is able to hold Virginia down enough to where Duke's kind of complete offense, grind it out, you know, be athletic, move the baseball type of offense is, is something that can ultimately get them in the, in the series. I can see them winning a the game, but I, I'm on the same page as you guys. I think, I think Virginia takes us home and they return to, return to Omaha. All right, regional number three. This will be a fun one. We got Oral Roberts, the four seed, traveling to Eugene, Oregon, to play the Ducks. Coach Grasse, kick us off. Yeah, uh, this is going to be a fun one um, for a variety of different reasons. Obviously, you got you got two teams that you know weren't weren't hosts. Um, both shut out their went three and zero in their um, you know in their regionals. Um, and and really, I mean, Oral Roberts played two really good, tough games, but I mean, Oregon really didn't have much in terms of competitiveness. I mean, they kind of blew right through that that regional, that Vanderbilt regional. Um, Oregon's won nine straight. It's you know, it's going to be a sellout. And I think one of the things too is is that you know, and I think this is super important for our sport, right? Like, and and as I was going on, you know, over the course of the week and looking at a lot of the stuff. Every, all eight super regional hosts or all, all eight regional sites are all sold out, which is super awesome because 10 years ago, that wasn't the case um, in terms of tickets. So I think that's a huge part. And obviously selling it out in Eugene and Eugene's a great atmosphere. Um, you know, they're 40 and 20. Um, again, kind of got hot at the right time. They're not really a hot, cold, hot team. They're kind of, they were, you know, 16 and 14 in the pack, which, you know, packs up, you know, it was okay this year. It was, you know, kind of middle of the road, I would say. Um, but, you know, kind of got hot at the right time, win nine straight, take that momentum, go home with the home, you know, home crowd, and you see what happens. Um, Oral Roberts is, they're awesome. I mean, I, I don't even know what else to say. They won 21 straight. They were, they were 23 and one in the Summit League. I don't, you know, for anyone that's out there listening, it's like, oh, well, it's the Summit League. It doesn't matter what league you play. You play T-ball. If you're 23 and one, that is so, so, so impressive, man. So, so, so impressive. Like, yep. You're absolutely right. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, obviously they they blow up, you know, obviously virally this weekend. And I'm like, all right, you know, I'm college baseball nerd. So I jump on. Sure, 563 dudes in 529 innings. They're averaging like 10.3 Ks per nine. Like, that's insane. Like, you got a couple of guys like, oh, yeah, like, hey, you know, our top four guys are, you know, 10 Ks per nine. Great. But your whole entire staff is that? Like, that's just insane. Never mind the fact that you put in jo or Jacob Widener in the back end left-hander. He looks like Randy Johnson. He's like 6'8", it looks like, you know, and he's got the long arms, the levers you know, moving parts everywhere. And then Kay Denton, who obviously everybody knows about, you know, is their closer. He's 93, 96. And he's throwing, you know, that two seam that's barreling down on a right-hander's hands. And it's like, you know, they, they just, they won, they won a game in a regional in every way. Right? They won a shootout. They won the super tight one against Dallas Baptist in the final. Like, I just think that they're, they're kind of built for, for this postseason. Um, and kind of oddly enough, if if you, if everyone remembers back to 2012, and I'm going to age myself a little bit here because I remember this because I was locked in on it. 
but they kind of feel like that Stony Brook team in 2012. Um, and a lot of people don't remember is, is that in 2012, the three seed of Kent State beat Oregon twice in the Super that same year to go to Omaha as well. Um, and I think we see repeat here. I think we see a four seed get to Omaha and Oral Roberts. And I think um, that back end of that bullpen is just going to be too much in a big spot that, you know, that West Coast style of play, they're, you know, they're probably not going to blow you out. It's going to be tight. And, you know, when you got those two guys in the back end that you basically are playing a seven-inning game, six-inning game, I'll take my chances with the Golden Eagles. I like it. I like it. Coach Glass, what do we got? I, I'm with Jonathan here. I'm all in on uh, on the Oral Roberts Golden Eagles. Um, I mean, they're 20 – what did you say, 22, 23 and 1? 23 and 1. 23 and 1 in conference, like – I mean, <clears throat> I don't care where you're playing. That's absurd. Um, you know, and I thought the other thing that really stood out to me too is the fact that they're, you know, they're 19 and six on the road, which like as a, I mean, they're not really like, you know, they're not a, a Northern team to play that many games on the road, you know, to me is a lot for them. And to be 19 and six, like if you want to win in college baseball, you got to win on the road and like, you know, Northeast teams where we all grew up and we've played, like, you know, you have to do that, but for them to be 19 and six on the road, like that tells you something about like how good they actually are. <laughs> you don't win 49 games without winning on the road. Um, you know, and, and I'll be honest, like I, I, I didn't know much about Ola Roberts going into this week or over the last weekend, but coming out of it, I know a lot more. I, I mean, they're hitting 324 and they're pitching a three, a clip. Like they're like, to Jonathan's point, like their staff is absurd. I mean, they got nine or 10 guys who have over 15 appearances, you know? So like the, it's not just like two or three guys or, you know, five or six guys they're relying on. Like there's nine, 10 dudes that they can roll out to the mound that are going to get outs, you know, and it take nothing away from Oregon. Like they went into, they went into Vandy, which is, you know, a tough place to play. They, you know, they, they win that, that regional in three games. They, they got really hot at the right time. They hit 300 as a team. Like they're good, man. Like, but you know, the, the tail end of that, you know, they're, they're pitching at a five clip. Like it's going to be really hard, you know, and the flip side to it is Oregon's getting, giving up and it's one of the higher numbers in the supers, like not eight free passes, eight free nineties a game, like to oral Roberts five, like if oral Roberts who's hitting three twenty four as a team and pitching at a three, eight clip is getting three more free base runners a game than, than Oregon is like, I, I think Oral Roberts is like they're just going to put it on them. You don't go into a, you don't go into Oklahoma State and roll through that regional the way they did if you're not good. You know, and I, I I'm with them. Like I, I'm all on this train. You know, I'll even go as far back as the four seed with Fresno State in 08. You know, and that I just remember because that's when I graduated from college. Like you know, that was like oh my god, it's a four seed made it like they're in they're in Omaha and, and they won it that year. Um, you know, I'm not saying Oral Roberts is going to win this year, but I do think Oral Roberts gets to Omaha, and I don't think it's really going to be close this weekend. Like, I think they're going to go in there and make a statement and get to Omaha, and I think it's going to be awesome to watch. Like, I'm all in on this. I'm on this bandwagon. I might order some stuff on Fanatics this weekend. The old Fanatics name drop. I like it. And there's some dudes on this Oregon team that I really like watching play. Like I mentioned them at the top of the podcast, and the Sheeta kid is electric. He makes them go. If Oral Roberts can keep him off the bases, then nobody's on base for Crowley, 
who is a really good player. He's a Cal Poly, Cal Poly Pomona transfer, Division two guy, super steady shortstop. He's put up some big numbers this year. He's a really good player. And then you got the Sabalas kid who is – I mean, the ball he hit in the regional final against Xavier, like that thing's still not landed. I, I mean, he's an electric athlete. Kid certainly looks like he's got a chance to be a big leaguer at some point in his career. But I think the big thing for me is the pitching, right? Like they don't – I think that that's what – is their bugaboo right now. And I don't think they're going to pitch enough. I think that this Oral Roberts offense, they got Jonah Cox, who's, you know, 12 doubles, eight triples, 10 bolts, 65 RBIs. He's hitting 424 on the year. And then they got a bunch of really good athletes who play really good offensive baseball behind them. And if you get to the back end of the game, like, good luck. Like Jonathan talked about at the at the front end of this piece, like, good luck with Daniel Widener. Like, it's a six-inning game. Um, if you beat them with those guys on the mound, you earned every inch of it. But you know, to see to see those two pitching in an Oral Roberts uniform, I'm sure there's a lot of coaches who are going, "I can't believe we passed on those guys." Um, but I mean, Denton, like that kid's an alien. Uh, he might be the next dude who fast tracks himself to the big leagues. Like this stuff is just absurd. Um, I'm on the same train. I'm going Oral Roberts, like. Bring it on. I want to watch those two pitch as much as possible. I think offensively they're really fun to watch. Um, so we got three We got three clean sweeps here. I mean, that's, Roberts. the Denton kid has 15 saves. Yo, he's got a .88 whip. <laughs> that's not even a real number. Like He's got nine walks to 75 punches. Like, Nine walks to 75 punches. In like in like 52 innings. I think he's thrown 54, 52 innings. 54. 72 dudes. Yeah. yeah. Good luck. I'm so glad that I'm not a hitter. No. Like, oh, what do you do with that? Like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Gold needle. This, Here we go. This one's an interesting one, right? There's some storyline behind this. Indiana State. They hosted. A lot of people were up in it, you know, up in arms about whether they should have hosted and all that good stuff. Turns out they win their regional and they can't host because of some circumstances there. They're hosting a special Olympics event and they don't have the staff to do it. So this thing's getting kicked to TCU, which is one of the most consistently quality programs in college baseball for the last decade. They made Four straight College World Series appearances, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Kirk Sarlos, the head guy, was a big piece of that puzzle. And they're on the doorstep of doing it again. Uh, Jonathan, what do you got on this one? Here, I, and I think it stinks, and, and I'll leave that with that. And, and I think what – that that TCU group that's their huge fans are they're they're raising a bunch of money for the Indiana State um or the I don't know if it's only Indiana but this the, the major special olympics that's being hosted in Terre Haute this week weekend um they're doing a great job raising the money um but at the end of the day like for me and, and I don't know maybe I would have picked you know maybe I would have picked TCU again um but Indiana State having to go to TCU, I just think that's such a, such a disadvantage for them. Um, 
you know, their record speaks for themselves. They're 45 and 15, 24 and 3 in conference. Um, the one thing I will say about Indiana State, and, and I think this is an important part of it, is they're road tested, right? Because a team, a team in the in the MVC that gets the host had to go on the road to win, right? Just with the RPI, like if you're if you're gonna be a top 10 RPI, which I believe there were nine RPI, um, if you're going to do that, you have to you got you got on the road and win. Um, and they have wins against Purdue, Illinois, and Vanderbilt on the road, right? So they're they're 45 and 15, and they got swept at Kentucky, and they got swept in a neutral site against Northeastern. So that's six losses right there. So they have nine other losses the rest of the year. Pretty impressive. Um, I just think the atmosphere, you know, in, in you know in in Fort Worth this weekend will be. Probably just a little bit too much. TCU's hot. They've won nine straight. You know, they scored 20 on Arkansas. You know, they have 101 stolen bases, which, you know me, I love, you know, I love guys that can steal bases and strike people out, as I'm sure you've probably gotten from the first, you know, 30 minutes of this. Um, I just think, unfortunately, because it's going to be in Fort Worth, I'm just going to lean TCU here. Um I'm going to go with the Horn Frogs, get back to Omaha again. Horn Frogs it is for Coach Grasse. What do you got there, Keith? This is where we're going to differ here. Um, I, win, I win Indiana State here. Um, I mean, they're 45 and 15. You know, I, it is a little bit unfortunate they don't, they don't get to host this Super, which would be you know, a, an awesome experience for their kids. But I, I get it. Like, there's you know, a lot that goes into it. They had something, a, a previous commitment and the, and the staffing and, and, you know, the, the amount of money they've made is like they've raised, like Jonathan said, has been, you know, amazing um, because of it. You know, I, I lean towards it for these two reasons. One, Indiana state's 21 and seven on the road. Like they've gone out and won a bunch of games on the road. Um, I don't necessarily think their offense is going to completely overwhelm you. You know, they do pitch at a three, eight clip. Um, you know, TCU's hitting 293. They're pitching at a 4.8. Um, you know, the biggest difference for me was that, you know, Indiana State is only allowing four free 90s per game um, to TCU's seven. I, I think that can kind of equal this, you know, even the playing field a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest, I, I, I was not necessarily in on the Indiana State ball game. Um, going into the regionals, I, I, I kind of thought that they were going to, you know, I, I picked Iowa to get out of that regional. And, and they played phenomenal, um, you know, at home against a, in a pretty tough regional. So, you know, I, I think TCU, like, yeah, TCU went in and they scored a bunch of runs against um, Arkansas and, and they kind of rolled through it. But, you know, I know they're at home. I, I know TCU is tough and, and they've been really good for the last couple of years. And I, I, I think TCU is a phenomenal baseball team. I just kind of think that, you know, if Indiana can, if Indiana State sustains what they've done over the last three months, which is, you know, at this point, they've proven they can do it. Like, I, I think they get out of there with a 2-1 win. You know, and I, I have Indiana State going to Omaha, and I, I think Omaha is going to be rocking this year with a lot of underdogs. It's going to be amazing. All right. I'm going to side with Coach Grasse on this one, although I think this is a really interesting matchup. And I had, this is kind of a coin flip one for me. To your point, Keith, I think Indiana State, they're – more than the sum of their parts, right? Like offensively, 
they're a really good offensive team as a unit. They don't have like one dude that you're really scared of. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think that, you know, they don't have like a true game changer, true, you know, guy that's really going to dictate how you're going to pitch to them. Um, their back end is really tough. And I think that this is where if Indiana state can get to the back end of a game with a lead, I think they have the edge, right? Jared Spencer, he's a mid nineties lefty. And then you got Cameron Holy cross who I got a chance to watch him throw a little bit. Like that's a big time breaking ball. He loves to throw it. He can command it. And it, it really mixes well off his fastball. Those guys are really tough. So if it does come down to that back end stuff, I think Indiana state's got the edge. But I like the way that TCU is playing, right? Like what they did at Arkansas is really hard to to just gloss over, right? Fayetteville is one of the hardest places to go and play in college baseball. The atmosphere is there is electric. I mean, and they put it on the number three team in the country twice. And they did it handily. Um, their pitching staffs you know, numbers wise, they're just okay. Right. And they got some stuff guys. It's got some dudes who are coming on recently. You know, you got, what's his name? Uh, oh, geez. Let me look at my notes here real quick. Oh, I'll blank on that. But I think the key factor for them is they got Kirk Zarlos who pound for pound is as good of a pitching guy as there is in college baseball. And I think they gives them advantage, you know, the ability to call pitches, the ability to put his guys in really good spots to be good. And I just like the way their offense runs. Like, to Jonathan's point, they got six guys who are stealing double-digit bases. They got two guys over 20. Uh, they don't have to rely on home runs. They can move the baseball. They can score. They're a threat to do different stuff. They're going to go first to third. They're going to be really sound offensively. They're going to be able to bunt. That guy on third with less than two, he's going to score. And I think that they can chip away. And I think maybe the difference maker in this, I think they got a true superstar in the middle of their lineup with Braden Taylor. Um, and I think that that could be the difference is they've, they've got a dude who's as good of a prospect there is in baseball. He's a Team USA guy. He's got 23 bolts on the year. Um, I'm going to go Horn Frogs here. I, I just like the, the overall makeup of that team, but I think this is a really interesting regional, and I'm going to definitely tune in pretty closely to this one because uh, Indiana State might make this interesting, especially if those games are close at the back end. All right, that rounds out pod one. Any closing thoughts on those regionals? All right. On to Winston-Salem. We got the Alabama Crimson Tide. They're going to roll into Winston-Salem and see if they can take down the favorites. Keith, what do you got? I mean, I, I said this in the, in the last one, like I'm all in on wake. I mean, you're 50 and 10, you're 29 and three at home. Um, I mean, they rolled through that regional. Um, I mean, you can pull out their stats on the internet. I, like their offense is super dynamic. I mean, they're hitting 308 as a team, um, you know, but they have, <laughs> Um, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six or seven guys that are everyday starters that are hitting over 300. Um, six. I mean, they have, yeah, I mean, the Kurtz kid is 23 bolts. Wilkin is 27. Um, you know, but they can beat you a multitude of different ways. Like they can steal bases. They run the, the you know, they run the bases very well. 
they defend. Um, you're not, you know, they hit 117 bolts, but they also hit 125 doubles. Um, you know, they're they're going to be a power offense, and they're going to score a ton of runs. And I think, you know, their offense is is unbelievable, and their their pitching staff is is just probably, you know, at least in the from what I can remember in the 20 plus years I've been in college baseball, this is one of the best pitching staffs I've ever seen. And they're also missing one of their best arms. I mean, we're 60 games in and they're a two seven as a team ERA with 709 punches to 163 walks. I mean, that like, that's, I mean, their, their, their three starters have over a hundred, over a hundred punches. I mean, I just like we haven't seen numbers like this in a very long time. Um, you know, they're not going to beat themselves, you know, and I, I think in a three game set, it would take nothing away from Alabama. Like Alabama's good, um, you know, but you're like you're going to have to play lights out, unbelievable baseball for two games to beat them. And I, I just don't think with the arms that Wade can roll out there against you that it's it's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I, I they're just far too good. And I'm like, I love watching it because they're like, it's, it's that good. Like they do what they're supposed to do and they're playing high level baseball and playing it better than the high level teams that they're playing against, which is awesome to see. Um, you know, and, and I, it's fun to see the amount of people that are showing up to watch wake play. Um, you know, so it's, it's awesome. I'm super excited for them. You know, we know that staff pretty well, so it's, it's great to see. Um, you know, they, their opponent ERA is the eight, <laughs> almost a nine, you know, so they're, it's absurd. And I, I have wake winning this and, and getting to Omaha. And I, I, I don't know, I would never say that things are a lock because you have to play the games, but I mean, this is as good a team as we've seen in, in a very long time. Well put Jonathan, where are you at with this one? Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with Keith in terms of the how good this team is. Um, but I, and I'm going to go Demon Deacons at the end of this, and I'll I'll kind of preface it with that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of play devil's advocates a little bit here, um, because I think what what Jason Jackson has done at Alabama is the one of the most impressive things that we've seen in college baseball in terms of an interim head coach, maybe ever um, yeah. never had a head coach get fired because he was betting against his team. Um, okay. No problem. What does Jason Jackson do? Steps in there at 13 and four since, since Brad Bohan has been fired. Um, you know, I, I think one thing that that kind of gets overlooked a little bit is, is that um, this is actually his second time being an interim head coach. Um, coach Mack got sick, I believe at FAU and he had to step in there when, 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 um, Jason was down at, down at Florida Atlantic. Um, so he, he kind of knows what he's doing. Um, you know, the Pickney kids phenomenal. The, the Harvard transfer Seidel is, is awesome. Um, Jim Jarvis, maybe my favorite player in all college baseball, to be honest with you, he's just a dirt ball. Um, you know, Holman will be, I think a, at least a matchup, you know, for louder, you know, I mean, not that louder's really had any matchups the whole year when you're 14 and oh, it doesn't really matter who's pitching against you, but I think Holman will do a good job. Um, 
I think the one thing that I think will be interesting is, is that, you know, we, we got to remember the last two number one seeds, right? 2021, Oregon was 15 and 13. They went two in a Q in a run regional. And last year, obviously, Tennessee lost to, to Notre Dame. Tennessee was 57 and nine last year. Yep. So th- there's no locks here, right? Like, and, yeah. and, and I'll be honest, right. I, I personally think, and again, I told you, I'm going to go Demon Deeks here just because they're number one overall seed and, and the whole deal. Um, but I, I don't think this is a clean sweep. I think Wake runs into a little of an issue here. Um, and, and here's my last point, and I think this was really good. I heard heard Coach Jackson talking this week about a couple of different things they were interviewing him, and I think he said it best. Um, and, and not that the other leagues out there aren't really, really, really good. They are. But he said, he said, you know, they asked him a question about, you know, going into Wake and into a Super Regional, and he, he said, listen, guys, like, we play in the SEC. He goes, we have 10 consecutive weekends in a row that are super regional type fields, you know, like we can get swept. We can sweep anybody at really any given time. So, you know, we've done this at least 10 times already. So, you know, before you, you know, you kind of count us out, like we've done it before, you know, and it's a phenomenal point, you know, and, and again, like the number overall, you know, the number one overall seed hasn't won since 99, like, and, and and I love Wake. I, I think that, you know, especially the louder kid, I think he's awesome. Like their bullpen is electric in terms of what they can roll out, which is probably the most underrated, you know, stat and part of their entire game because people don't even know about it because their three starters are so legit. But I mean, they're rolling guys out of their bullpen that would be starters at a lot of other places. But let's play all three games or two or three games before we, we say, you know, hey, you know, the Demon Deeks are going to definitely move on. Um, I will go Demon Deeks, um, but I don't think it's a sweep. I think we we see this one on Monday, um, and I think we're going to get a classic on Monday too, to be honest with you. I'm on a similar vibe as you, Jonathan. Like, I think it'll be interesting to see what Coach Walter does with that rotation. Like, yeah, you probably run louder out game one against uh, Holman, which is – like that's a matchup to watch this weekend. Like okay. Holman's arms electric. Obviously, Louder's resume speaks for itself. He's two-time ACC Player of the Year. You know, he's probably the second. He's probably the second arm off the board in the draft behind uh, that big fellow who pitches for LSU, who I'm sure we'll talk about here in a few. Um, I think if if they if they throw Hartle in game two, I think they can get him. Right, Hartle's he's a super polished lefty. Uh, from what I've seen, he throws a lot to the same side of the plate. Like, so he's going to really try to drive the ball glove side. He kind of cuts the ball, cutter slider. So maybe he falls into a pattern and some of these really dangerous Alabama hitters, and they are old. Um, they got some older guys with a ton of experience. Like maybe they're able to do that. Maybe they're able to get to Hartle a little bit and get into that bullpen. And maybe that gives them a shot in game three. Um, to your point, Jonathan, like Alabama's battle tested, like what they play in the SEC. That's a battle enough, but they won a really tough regional. They had to get through a really good BC team who's, you know, super well coached, tough, and been good all year. And then like, I don't think you can overstate what they've done after the firing of their head coach. Like the amount of character that shows from that team and, and the coaching staff that remains, like it's hard to quantify how significant that is. And I think to your point, they make it interesting. Well, when I run down the numbers with Wake, like – 
They led the country in ERA, strikeouts per nine, walks per nine, whip, least amount of hits given up per nine, and shutouts. Offensively, they were top 10 in scoring, on base percentage, slugging, home runs, and walks. So they don't give up base runners. They strike a heck of a lot of people out. They don't strike out. They get on base a lot, and they score a lot of runs. Like, it's usually pretty good, a pretty good recipe for success. And I think one of the things that has really elevated them this year is they have diversity in that lineup. Like, for years, they've been developing guys who can leave the yard and they've always been a really dangerous offensive team. But you got the hot kid at the top. He's a total pain in the ass. If the ball bounces four times in the infield, he's on first base. Um, really dynamic offensive player. He's he's kind of the engine. Uh, the Johnson kid coming from Lafayette, like, what a story. Like, you come from Lafayette and you plug right into Wake's lineup. And, yeah, does having other really good players around him help him? Yeah, probably. But – the, what that kid's been able to do uh, is just a professional approach. It's an experienced approach. He lengthens out their lineup, and he's he's dangerous. Like You just seem to look at these box scores, and every time you look up, it's one for three with a double, two for four with a home run. Like He's an interesting piece. The Houston kid at shortstop can flat-out play defense, and I think that that's where they've really made a big difference is they can really defend. Like Kurtz is a gold glover over there at first. He is a wizard. Um, Houston can really defend. They brought in that transfer from Tulane to catch, who's done a fantastic job. And then if you can get through those starters, you know, louder, hard on Keenan, like you got to face Massey, you got to face Roland, you got to face Minacci, like good luck. And it's, it's tough. Like if Alabama is going to win this, they will have earned every single step of it. And I don't think they're going to, but I do think this is a game three. And I think it's going to be one that everybody should tune into. So we're all rolling deeks there, but uh, it's, I think it's that's a, be a good one. I, I think I think for me, like it's it's like doesn't it seem right? Like if we were to do this 366 days ago, right? And we talked about Tennessee against Notre Dame, wouldn't we have kind of all I'd said the same thing? If not, maybe leaned a little bit heavier Tennessee. Yeah, I agree, and I think Alabama is a more talented team than when Notre Dame was last year. For sure, I don't totally. know if anybody would argue that. And, and that's where it's like, and that's where I'm like, you know, like, oh, like, I love the, like, on paper, like, you know, what they did last week, what they've done all year, like, nothing against, you know, Wake Forest. Like, it's just, but like, does that number one overall seed run into the buzzsaw? I guess we'll find out in like 72 hours, right? We will. That's a great question. Like, Tom Walters is as good as it gets. I, I think if it, you're, go, go ahead, ahead, Andy. I think if you're one of these schools that's got a job opening right now and you're not calling Corey Mascara or Bill Salerno, like, what are you doing? Like, look at what they've, look at what they've done, right? Wake's not an easy place to win. And they've accumulated talent. They developed talent. Uh, you know, like, I think it's hard to overstate the job that's been done there. Like, even if they don't make it out of this, like, just, just an incredible, incredible they, roster, incredible coach and staff. Like, yeah, awesome. I mean, they have 10 guys with 13 plus appearances that are a sub four ERA. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you see all the people on Twitter, they're like, oh, you see what happens when you don't develop five hitters, like, or five pitchers. Like, okay, like, 
They've doubled. Here's a team that's doubled with a sub four. Like, I, I mean, you know, and, and that's that that's that's kind of you know I don't want to say unheard of, but that's really really hard to do, and it's a testament to what they've been able to do as a as a coaching staff to get these guys to where they are. Like, I you know. Guys make great points. I, I just don't know. Like, I mean, the ACC is a pretty good league. Like, they didn't lose a series. You know, and Alabama's really good. Like, I, I, I mean, I hope this ends up being a really good series. I, you know, I just think that, you know, they're far too, like, they're, they, you have to play the games. I get it. But they're like, I, in my personal opinion, we just haven't seen a team like this that's this complete in, in a long time. Like, <sighs> Alabama can't let him get out. They can't let him get out of the gate fast. Cause if you stay tight, like, Anything can happen in a tight game, but like if you let Wake open it up on you early, and no, louder and harder, Keenan don't right, have yeah. to pitch with any kind of pressure. Like good luck because they just don't give up crooked innings because no. they don't give up base runners, and it's so hard. It's hard to put up a crooked inning against them because you need to leave the yard, and they don't do. They don't. They don't allow you to do that. Um, they have seven hundred and nine punch outs. Like. Yeah. I mean, it's that's absurd. Like you, you draw it up, you draw it up. They punch people like eyes out. They don't walk people like. And you got to split the first two, and you're probably going to need something to kind of maybe go your way. You know, maybe a win eight at home run, right? We've all been in Wake Forest. Everyone knows it's not the biggest yard in the entire country, right? Maybe a win eight at home run error, and again, nothing against you know, but. How do you get out of it? Like if you're Alabama and then, and then you get to game three and then, you know, you don't know. I mean, like, and, and that's my point, like with, you know, Tennessee last year, I mean, Tennessee was one and wake will go down as well as one of the best college teams we've ever seen, mm-hmm. you know, Tennessee was 57 and nine last year. And then, you know, that's what two losses at the end. So, you know, they were 56 and seven going into it at the end. Like, yeah, I think the one thing that, that wake does really well too, from an offensive standpoint, I mean, they're, you know, they're four, I, I'm not good at math, 395 and 81, 475, 476. Like, the, I mean, in, in walks and hit by pitches to 445 punches, like from an offensive standpoint, like they're like, they don't really punch out. Like they're going to walk or hit by, you know, they're on base more than they're punching out, which I think is a, a telltale sign to a really good hitter, but also a, a really good offense. Like if your offense has more, free passes than than punch outs when you're also hitting 117 bolts and 125 doubles like you're you're going to be really hard to beat like and you know i i agree with you guys like they're they're phenomenal points like alabama is really good like you get to the supers like you're a really good baseball team you know i i just you know this is a complete offense and, and pitching staff to me where it's just like wow like it's fun to watch these dudes get out there and compete like it they're really really good all right. Well, we get Texas Stanford next. Um, gonna have to kind of swallow my pride on this one because I uh, <laughs> kind of laid the Stanford <laughs> the sunken diamond out there last time, saying it's not exactly the hardest place to play, and I still stick by that. But. Um, Let's kick this one off here. Coach Grasse, what do you got for the, the Longhorns versus the Cardinal? I think well, I think one of the, the 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 crazy parts of this whole thing, right, is, is that 
and you can look at it, right? Both Texas and Stanford have been to, to Omaha the last two years. But they've done it in, like, major, like, two different, like, like way different ways, right? Um, Texas, if you look at this year's team, a lot of portal guys, a lot of transfer guys, um, obviously lost a lot, you know, from, from last year's Omaha team, which had gone, I think, twice in a row, actually. So I think this is their third year in a row. Um, not kind of the COVID year. Um, you know, Lucas Gordon's legit on the mound. They, it, it, it's just funny with Texas. Like they, they kind of were middle of the road. Like they end up, they end up finishing 15 and nine in, in the big 12, but they were 12 and nine going into what, or having West Virginia come into town. Um, they sweep West Virginia. They end up being a conference, um, regular season conference champion. And you're like, all right. You know what? What's this Texas team like? Like, you know, everyone knew they were they were good, but they were up and down again. And they go to Miami, and it's like just steamrolled everybody. Like, it wasn't even close. Like, it didn't seem like anybody else was going to beat Texas in that in that region after watching them in Game One. Um, and you're like, all right, but the one thing with Stanford. And this is what I'll say, and 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 I think with Stanford, I think this is a really, really, really important thing with them, is is that they were they had to come out of the their own losers bracket. They hosted their region the last two years in a row. They had to come out of the losers bracket the last two years in a row, and they lost game one in the Super to UConn last year, and got to Omaha, and they've not been to Omaha twice now, in a row. This will be their third year, but they're doing it a little bit different because they're getting everybody basically back from last year's Omaha team and the year prior to that. Because basically all their top guys, juniors and seniors. So you were going to have a group of guys that have been to Omaha at least two times, have come out of now three losers brackets. I know it's not the toughest place in the world to play, but I'm going to lean Cardinal here and I'm going to go Cardinal to, to Omaha. I like it. Keith, are you going to piss off a good friend of ours or what? I am. (laughs) I had Texas getting out of the Miami regional and I have them getting through this um, super as well. Um, You know, I I just kind of thought like Jonathan brings up a lot of great points that like makes me think if I'm, I'm choosing the right team, but I'm sticking my guns here. Um, you know, I, I just thought that, you know, Stanford is, I mean, they're really, really good. Don't get me wrong. But I, I think it's going to be hard for a team that's pitching at almost a six clip um, in a, you know, what we would consider a, a, a an average Pac-12 conference. Like, yes, they were 23-7. and seven. Like, that's what you're supposed to be when you were one of the better teams. Um, you know, to be pitching at a six clip, you know, it's a 5-8. You know, I, I'm, I'm rounding up here. Um, you know, but the, there's one dude, you know, the, the, the Quinn Matthews kid has 111 innings and then everyone else after that's around, you know, is 70 and below, you know, so it, it, if there's, you know, I, I think the Matthews kid has a shot to, to really help him out. But after that, everyone's almost pitching out of five, you know, and I think Texas's offense, like, you know, they're, they're hitting almost 300 as a team, you know, they're, 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 they're going to be able to, to score some runs and, and, you know, the, the Big 12 is not the SEC, but I don't think Texas is going to be intimidated at all going to the West Coast and, and going into Stanford and, and trying to win a series there. 
Um, you know, I, I just think that they're playing far too good baseball towards the end of the year. And I, I you know, I think this is also one of those things where, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I don't think they were great in the big 12 tournament. I, I would have to go back and look real quick. Um, you know, but they were really, really good leading up to the big 12 tournament were meh, okay. And then, you know, rolled the Miami regional and they went all in two. Yeah. I thought they went two and Q. Yeah, they lost to Kansas, and then I think they got smoked by Kansas State. They definitely lost to Kansas yes. State. They got smoked by one of those two. But they like that you do, like they swept West Virginia going into it, and then went two yeah. and Q, and then rolled Miami. You know, I just think it's one of those things where, like, you know, the conference tournament, whatever. You know, I I think that Texas can go into Stanford and and really, you know, I, I think it's going to be good. I think this is you're going to get to Monday and you're going to play the third game. Like, I don't think this is a clean sweep. Um, you know, but I just think that you know. Stanford's averaging almost eight free passes a game, you know, and you give really good teams in, in tight series, uh, you know, a couple extra base runners a game, like they're going to be able to capitalize. And I, you know, I, I think that Texas is going to be able to get through this one. And I, you know, Matthew McConaughey and I are going to be, you know, hook them in Omaha. Does, here's my one question. Does the, does the travel matter this time of the year? I don't think so. I mean, they went to Cal State. Full, they went to Fullerton. Earlier in the year, or, or midway through the year, they lose. They did lose the series, um, but they lost. You know, two one-run games. I, I don't think the travel mat. Like, I would. I would be more concerned if it was a uh, East Coast team going to the West Coast. I mean, you're kind of dead central. It's not a huge thing. And but you're you not in my- school. Like my like are like I don't know what their travel is. Like, do are they already there? You know what I mean? Like, are you already yeah, on the West Coast and, and, you know, you're practicing and, and there? Like, I don't know what that is, but, I, like, I would imagine if this was – if we're still in school and we're, like, we're rolling out on Thursday night, like, this would be – like, I would make a different pick, I think. Okay. But, it, it, like, I don't think it matters right now because I think it's like, all right, like, we're going to go back. We're going to practice for two days. We're getting on a plane on Wednesday, and we're going to the West Coast. And, you know, because, like, the NCAA might pay for it, but, like, I have to believe that Texas has some money to be like, hey, we can – we can afford a night extra in California to make sure that we're ready to go and, and give ourselves a chance to get to Omaha. Sure. After all the shade I threw at Stanford, I'm going to go, Don't you I'm go Stanford in this one. I'm oh, gonna, and here, and here's you why. called them a country cub last week. I did, and they still are, but they got six guys with double it digit bolts. And I saw Texas play earlier this year, and maybe it's one of those, like, you can only get a first chance to, to make one impression, right? Like, I saw them play Oklahoma. It wasn't good. They are playing really good right now, and they certainly just – they just took everybody to the, to the shed and down in the Miami Regional, which is it's an impressive thing to do. Like, that Miami team had won a bunch of games. They're super talented. So, hats off to the Longhorns what they were able to do. But here's here's where I got it. Matthews has to be really good or Stanford can't win this. Like he needs to be an ace and they need to win one game with their offense. That's, that's it for me. Like Matthews needs to stuff it and then Stanford can hit their way to the regional. My favorite guy to watch in college baseball right now is in this regional is Tommy Troy. I would pay money to watch that kid swing a baseball bat. I'm not saying he's going to be this guy, but in the batter's box, he reminds me of Wander Franco. I just I think the kid's electric. It's simple. He just seems to get good swings off every single at bat. And 
I mean, that dude's winning them games. And I think if it comes down to it, like having a guy with that kind of ability might be what swings the table, you know, kind of swings the pendulum in this one. So Matthews is a bro, which I think he'll end up going out and having a good outing against that Texas offense. I'll bet on Tommy Troy and that Stanford offense to, to find a way to win another game. So, yeah, I backtrack. I was wrong. I'm going Cardinal. You can be mad at me, Keith. I understand. It takes a right big man himself. to admit when they're wrong, Andy. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. All right. Another interconference matchup. Kentucky's rolling into LSU. Keith, kick it off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have another SEC matchup, LSU, Kentucky. Um, you know, I I took LSU here. Um, you know, you're gonna have a. I, I do think LSU is a little bit of a, a potential bullpen issue with their their pitching staff. Um, but that said. Alex, we've played we played in the old Alex Box. Like the Alex Box Stadium this weekend is going to be out of control and electric. Like I wish I could be there. It's going to be amazing to be in that that setting. You know, Kentucky is um, you know, they, they're only giving up six point six free nineties per game. LSU is a tick higher at seven point two. LSU won the regular season series, you know, they won two. Two of the three, 16-6, 10-3, and then 7-6. So I think this is going to be a little bit tighter than most people might think it's going to be. Um, you know, LSU can flat out swat. You get the Cruz kid, Tommy White. I mean, Tommy White is 20. Boy, he has 93 RBIs. I, I mean, that's absurd for a, a college kid. You got the Skinny's kid. Um, I mean, they, they're just, you know, he's got a 1-9 ERA, and he's 11-2 and two somehow. He's 179 punches and 17 walks. I mean, I, I mean that kid's going to be – he very well could be pitching in the big leagues this year. Like that's – I mean, it's. I don't think it's hyperbole. Like that dude is – like it's as good as we've seen in a very, very long time. Um, you know, ultimately I went with LSU, uh, you know, mainly based on the fact – I mean, LSU's 31-7 and seven at home. Kentucky's 11-11 and 11 on the road. Um, they don't necessarily seem to travel that well, you know, and, and I think that Alex box stadium is going to be electric. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a little bit tighter and a little bit more of a nail biter for LSU and LSU fans. than they probably would like to admit, but I, I do think that ultimately LSU is going to get through this super and, and end up in Omaha. All right. Keith on the tigers coach cross. what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on the same boat. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take LSU, um, but I, to Keith's point, I mean, I, in in seven days when we do this again, like I think the main question is if LSU gets through this, is they have enough pitching? Like that bullpen is scary to me, um, and I, 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 I think you know what I mean. I, I think that you know, obviously, Skeens is a complete handful on you know on Saturday. Um, but if Kentucky can figure out a way to win on Sunday and keep it close on Monday, LSU could be in a world of trouble if we get into the sixth, seventh inning of this thing, and, and it's a tight game because that that bullpen is a zoo. Like that, that's the only way to put it. Um, Kentucky's going to bunt. Kentucky's going to run. Kentucky was 
fifth in the country, right? Let and then you're not you're not mishearing this. They were fifth in the country in sack bonds. When was the last time an SEC team was in the top ten in sack bonds? Thirty years ago, maybe. Yeah, you're you're hundred percent right. I wrote like before you keep going. Like I wrote down that LSU at home, you have to sell out for game two or three to win. No doubt. No, 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 no. Like no. he, like I, I wrote. I, that's what I wrote down. No doubt, and and I think, it, like I said, if 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 Kentucky can figure out a way to win on Sunday, and again, if you beat obviously Skeens on Friday, you're you have house money on Friday, and you know, or on Saturday, um, and you can basically do whatever you want on Saturday and just go all in on Sunday. But if you can figure out, if you're going to lose to Skeens, you know, Friday or Saturday. I'm sorry, Sunday. You figure out a way to win. I mean, goodness gracious, man, like. Kentucky's going to make you beat them. Like, they ain't going to beat themselves. They're going to run. They're going to bunt. They're going to keep doing stuff. And with that, you know, LSU bullpen, I think that's a major concern because not only do they have to worry about pitching, but now they're going to have to worry about fielding a position, not walking guys. I think there's a huge part in this that people look at it on the paper and they're like, well, Again, Kentucky, you know, kind of sputtered a little bit at the end. They, they obviously got, some, got off to a great start, but sputtered at the end, didn't have a great, you know, showing in the, in the SEC tournament. There's no real matchup here. I'd be careful about that. Um, I'll lean LSU, but it's it, – again, this is another one that we could be enjoying on Monday where we, we could have a really good Monday ahead of us. I'll put it that way. I think that, like, and you guys both hit on it, it's kind of a battle of opposites. Like, Kentucky is not your standard SEC team, to Jonathan's point. They're going to bunt. They're going to run. They're going to do a lot of small stuff. They're going to put you in positions for you to fail, right? And, and it can happen. Like, I think for, I think Saturdays is, is probably a lock with the big fella on the mound. Um I think LSU will end up being offensive enough to walk away with this one, but I think it's a three-game set. That bullpen is super scary. I think ultimately just some star power, you know, ultimately wins out. Like the Cruz kid, like good luck getting him out for a whole weekend. White's super dangerous. They got other guys up and down that lineup. But I think LSU is super talented, but I think they're flawed. I think Kentucky's going to find a way to win that, that second game. And – we're going to be watching this and pay attention because if it's close at the back end, like Kentucky, I think Kentucky's got the advantage if this is a tight game going into the back end because if it's five five, you know, if it's five five into six on Monday, if you're an LSU fan in that stadium or you're watching, I'd be really, really concerned because you, at that point, again, you you had lost Saturday, so you probably lost you know one of your better arms in terms of relievers, unless it was a blowout, which I don't you know see that happening. It gets thin back there really, really, really quick. And I think the other point to this too is that, which we missed on all three of us, is that LSU doesn't have a pitching coach right now. Nope. So Wes Johnson has already moved on to Athens to the University of Georgia. So I think that also will play a part in this. Um, and I think that's also something to monitor here in this regional because I think that could play a bigger part than we also think. You're, you're on to something here, Jonathan. 
I'm not I'm not not kidding. I might do a I might do a mid show flip, but I'm gonna stick with the with the body. I'm gonna labels. stick with LSU too, but just because I I'm with you with the talent side of it. But yeah, I think Cruz well, is too I'm, good. I think it'd do to do something that helps him win that game. But this is gonna be a good one. I think it's gonna be better than a lot of people think. Like LSU is sure. obviously the big brand name. They got all the national championships, but but I, and I think yeah. too, like them being number one for so long this year, like. I think the biggest thing we just shed light on, and I think for everyone to understand with the three of us all agrees, is that just be careful with this LSU team. There's a lot of flaws that we didn't kind of see in, you know, March and April that have kind of shed light in, you know, in the better part of May. Valid point. All right. Last regional. There's a big hullabaloo about who's going to host this one. Ultimately, they're going to take this one to Southern Miss. Tennessee's going to make the trip down there. This is a good one. Um, I think we, Keith, I think me and you both had these two teams moving into this bracket. Um, we did. You kick it off. What do you got, Tennessee or Southern Miss? I think this is arguably the best regional or super regional, excuse me, out of them all. Um, I was super split on who I, I even told my wife this morning. I was like, I, we have this podcast and I don't even know who's going to, I don't even know who's going to win this regional. Um, so now you're like all in. Yeah. My um, wife was like fired up that I was doing research all day and like, <laughs> she's like, you do enough research. You watch, don't you watch enough games? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I went with Tennessee here and, and uh, you know, I, I wanted the reason I went with Tennessee is is I talked about it in the last in the regional one is I think this is kind of the revenge tour. Um, I mean, what they did last week at the Clemson regional was pretty impressive. I mean, they went fourteen and went toe to toe with you know they were down to their last out uh, chasing. I think they were chasing one against Clemson, and it, you know, there's one out. There's two outs in the eighth or the ninth. Excuse me, they lift them it goes single bolt and all of a sudden like we're tied and, and it ends up being a, you know, a, a really, really good baseball game that goes 14. Um, and then they put it on Charlotte to, to kind of close it out for the regional. Um, you know, the, the five and 12 for them on the road scares me to be completely honest with you. Um, you know, but I think that that was a little bit more of a, an early on in the year, Tennessee, where they were kind of up and down, year round. I mean, Southern Miss is really good. They take nothing away from that team. And they, they, they lost game one against Samford at the Auburn regional where, where Penn beats, you know, Auburn, and then they put it to Auburn and then they, they beat Samford and they come back and they beat Penn twice. Like that's, you know, they're, 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 the pitching was there for them to do it. Um, you know, I, ultimately I went with Penn be, or excuse me, Tennessee, because they have, you know, they're giving up five free nineties per game. Um, which I think in the SEC is is really tough to do. Um, you're a 41 win team. I mean, Southern Miss is 45 and 18. Like their head coach is in his last run. I, I think we can get a little bit magical there, um, you know. But I think Tennessee is just kind of on the revenge tour for what happened last year. And you know, I went with Tennessee. Like the, you know, with last year, they don't get the super regional bid here. Like you know, they, they're they're out for blood. And I think Tennessee is going to roll through this super regional and. And they're going to get to Omaha this year and and make some noise. Keith is on the balls. Rossi, who you got? Yeah, you know, like on on paper, you're like, you know, Coach Berry's last year. They're on a magic carpet ride. You know, they 
they come out of the losers, they lose and then come out of the losers bracket with with a one seed losing, which is very, very, very rare. And I, I think that's not to be unspoken of this whole thing, especially with Southern Miss. Um, you know, with with Southern Miss, it's you know, I mean, with Coach Barry being there, it's just wash, rinse, repeat. I mean, they're forty five and eighteen, they're twenty two and eight in the conference. Like, it, there's this is this is no shock. Like, this is who they are. They got an absolute dude on the mound in Tanner Hall. Um, who I think is going to be a handful, right? Like, I mean, you know, Dolander's obviously going to be, a, you know, top, probably a top 10 pick, you know, top 15 pick at worst. He has had a great year. He's had a good year. Um, but I, I just think there's just something to be the team after the team, you know, and, and, and I know it's probably a little cliche, but like, you know, the team, you know, they were the team last year. They were 52 and seven or 52 and nine. They finished like, they were the best team in the country. They were by far, you know, the easiest pick to go to Omaha, to, you know, to get to, you know, to the, the national championship. Um, but I just think there's something about this Tennessee team, you know, Chase Burns, you know, Seth Halverson, you know, the Missouri transfer, it was electric out of the bullpen last weekend. Um he kind of alluded to, uh, you know, alluded to the road woes. But if you actually look at their last seven on the road, they're five and two on five and two and five and two in the last seven on the road. Um, it's not that bad. I mean, they, they obviously got off to a bad, so they got struck by Missouri on the road. Um, so they had a bunch of early losses, but they've kind of cleaned that up. And I think going to Clemson and just kind of taking care of business in Clemson on a team that had one seventeen straight, like. I don't know. It just seems like this team is maybe there for the long haul. Um, and, and again, I know, you know, to, to do it for Coach Barry and, and, and to get that host. And, and not to be wrong, that Southern Miss and, and Hayesburg deserve that host site over Knoxville, Tennessee. So don't get my pick wrong here in terms of that. Like, they absolutely deserve the host. If you look at both of their resumes, it's not even close on who deserved the host. The fact that they even went to Monday, in my opinion, was was crazy. Southern Miss deserved the host. Um, but I think the Vols get out of this one. I think they just, you know, Tony is, you know, Tony Vitello is he's tough. They're gonna be have a chip on their shoulder. He's gonna play that up. Um and I think we see the Vols in Omaha for the first time in a really, really, really long time. I'm going to box the trend here. And this was a tough one. Because after watching them play last weekend, like, it's a really good ball club. And I think the interesting piece is, is that if you looked at what the expected lineup was going to be at the beginning of the year, what that rotation was supposed to look like and what that bullpen was supposed to look like, the team that's winning games right now, that's not the, that's not how you would draw it up. And I give that coaching staff a ton of credit for like really looking at themselves and going, hey, we got to switch something up. We got to figure something out. Like it takes a lot of balls to put the Burns kid in the bullpen because nobody's ever going to fault you if you just run that kid out there on the weekend every weekend and you hope he figures it out. Like that takes some serious balls to shift some things around. Um, they do have a chip on their shoulder. Obviously, they're super talented. I'm just going to stick on the Southern Myth train. Like, I love how they play. To your point, Jonathan, like, it seems like every year it's 40 plus wins. And I don't think that's by accident. 
I think these are tough kids. Uh, Tanner Hall's a game changer. I think he's going to go toe to toe with Dollander, and yeah, I think they can figure out how to win that one. And I'm just going to take some toughness, and I'm going to, I am going to do the magical carpet ride thing. And I think Southern Miss figures out how to how to win this one. It's I think it's going to be a three game set. I think them hosting this regional might be the difference in this. Um, it'll be a rowdy crowd down there. So I'm going to go Southern Miss, um, and I think we, I think it. I think this is another series that's going to go three games, and I think we're going to have a bunch of bunch of stuff to watch on Monday because I think that that specifically that back bracket with Wake, Stanford, LSU, and Southern Miss regionals, uh, I think all four of those could end up being three game sets. It, kind of what we alluded to at the top of this uh, oh, no. with Alabama might be able to squeak one out against Wake and make it interesting. So, how about how about this? Let's do. Let me let, let's hit on this really quick. So we could have a Southern Miss, Indiana State, Oral Roberts in the final eight. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you saw that? How awesome is that? How how awesome is this sport? Oh, I think it's fantastic. amazing. Like it, it, it speaks. Like you know, everyone wanted to talk about parody a couple of weeks ago. Like. And this is why there's levels within the levels. Like these teams are unbelievably good, you know, and and we're talking about teams that went into Vanderbilt into, you know, Oklahoma Oklahoma state into Stillwater. Oklahoma state went into, um, I mean, Indiana state hosted like, I mean, like there's, it's awesome. And Southern, like Southern, I mean, Southern Miss in the Sun Belt, I mean, the Fun Belt, like, come on. I mean, Coastal hosted, and then, like, they went and lost at Auburn and then came out of that one. I mean, this is unbelievable for college baseball. Like, you don't see this. You know, I know March Madness gets it, and, you know, I have college football, and it's usually chalk, but, like, like, this is awesome to be a part of. Or not be a part of because I'm not, but, like, it's, it's awesome to watch. One of, one of the things we've said a ton of times, and, and obviously if you're a Friday, Saturday, Sunday bracket, it's a little bit different. But for us to to kind of go through this and be like, hey, we just broke down four regional or four super regional sites that realistically could get to Monday, right? Because we kind of all agreed that we wouldn't all be shocked. You know, obviously Alabama would be the one, but, you know, you just don't know. And, and with the track record of the one seeds, it wouldn't shock me if we got to four four games on Monday to, to go to Omaha. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. Bring on. If you're the best, if you're a kid or a parent or anybody listening to this and you're not tuning into these this weekend, like if you're a college baseball fan, turn on the television, sit down and watch some of these games. Like uh, you're going to see super high end talent. You're going to see teams that play the game extremely well. You're going to see different styles, different atmospheres, different, different locations like it's a really cool weekend to be a fan and you know if you're watching you know i hope you enjoy any closing thoughts i think for me like i like the the the, how awesome you know would it be if we had those three and even if we don't get those three right like how how cool is it that if you're you know, you line your schedule up like Indiana State that, you know, you can host a regional that you can, you know, and again, they obviously are going to, you know, lose the, you know, the opportunity this year because of something else. But 
to host the super regional um, that you can build a program, you know, to do it and, and to, to get that far and, and how healthy from, you know, the biggest part of this game, right? Like this game is so healthy right now and there's so many good teams or so many good players. Um, with a lot of the NIL stuff, like guys are going to college as opposed to going to the pros. Like our game has never been better and it's never going to be as fun as this weekend until we talk next Thursday and we'll lock and load for Omaha on Saturday next week. Yeah. I mean, I I'm, I'm with you. Like there's, you see a bunch of people that are like, Oh, the game is in trouble. Like, I mean, <laughs> Not from where I'm sitting. Like, there's a lot of really good players out there. <laughs> there's you know, a lot of really it's good always guys. easy to find a problem with stuff, but there's, oh, way, too, there's way too many good things going on in college baseball. I mean, right Lynchburg now. won the national championship today in Division Three. Um, you know, there, there's really good World Series games being played in Division Two right now. Um, you know, there's there's good baseball being played everywhere, and you have you have smaller, you know, what's considered smaller conference teams that have legitimate chances of getting to Omaha this year. You know, and it's not necessarily the, you know, what you would think the blue bloods are in in a lot of these other sports. And you know, I think that's what makes this this fun um, year in and year out to kind of be a part of and and watch and and see what all these teams are capable of doing. Um, you know, so it's it's awesome to see. I, 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 you know, I'm going to be glued to the TV this weekend, and it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. No, I think yeah. there's there's more of that than like I said before, right? There's more of people locking into a TV than there was ten years ago. I know for a fact. I I, I was thinking of this today before we got on. Um, was coaching, I think it was 2013 or 14, and ESPN had come out with like this post. I don't even know what it was on, but it was like, hey, here are all the college baseball games that will be on TV this year. And I'm like, all right, awesome. So I printed out, you know, again, you know, highlight, you know, what games we have games. And it was like a page and a half, right, of games that are on going to be on TV between, yep. you know, there SEC network then it was like ESPN two. I don't think there's there wasn't I don't think there's ESPN plus at that point. No. I'm like, all right, like awesome. Like I can lock in all these games, like Mike Rooney, whoever, like whoever's doing it, like sweet. And then now you look at it and you you have, you know, ESPN Plus is running, you know, the the tournament central and all these games every every night you can watch. And it's like good for our game, man. Like and, and it's good for the, the the kids because we couldn't find all this information out. We couldn't talk like we talk on this if it wasn't there. So I think yeah. that's that's what makes me super excited because I love the game. I, I think it's awesome. And especially for kids that want to play in college, like there's nothing better than sitting down and watching this. Like this is real baseball. No, it, it is. Like there the amount of people that have come up to me in the last, I would say specifically in the last like three to four years, probably two to three would probably be a better estimation of like, or like the, the amount of college baseball I watch now is, is I watch more college baseball than I do pro baseball, you know, because it, it's on earlier and, and people are excited to watch it. And like, it's way more accessible than it ever was before. 
No um, doubt. You know, like I was in, I, I, I play in a golf league and we, we had, we had our league tonight and like I had five dudes ask me about, you know, what's going on this weekend with, with certain games, just cause they know that I coach college baseball, you know, and one of those guys hit a 25 foot double snake putt tonight. Apparently I didn't see it. I don't know what that means, but um, you know, like they're, they're like people that aren't who have never really been invested in college baseball are getting invested in it because it's so much more accessible to watch. And it's, you know, it's fun to have conversations with people like, Hey, I, you know, i see LSU and Tennessee and wake. And, you know, it's, it's like, well, go watch Southern miss. Like they're really good too. Like, I know you don't really know much about them, but you should watch that, you know, but the, 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 the uptick in people that are getting, you know, more interested in this game who have younger kids who want them to actually go play baseball at a younger age. Like it's, it's going to start, you know, it's, it's a, it's an exciting thing to see as somebody who's coached this game for a long time and has been involved for 20 years. And now we're all in on the other side, like to see the amount of people that are excited in, in watching super regionals and watching the college world series. Like it's, it's super fun to see. And like this game is in a great place. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that sums it up. Well, fellas, as usual, it's been a pleasure. Jonathan, you will be joining us more in the future and we look forward to that because you've got a ton to add to this and, uh, you're just an we awesome gotta, dude. I have to go from eight to one, or how are we gonna do this next week? We got we got our hands full next week. Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do some we more research and have a lot two. to break down. Yeah. And then we'll go two to one. We're gonna break that down. It's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be good. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I, I, I can't thank you enough for having me on. Like like I said, I'm a I'm a complete junkie. A huge fan of you guys. You guys are two of my best friends. Um, hopefully, I go, I go eight for eight, and you're like, "Yo, let's bring them back." <laughs> oh yeah, you, you've got a permanent spot here. You just let us know when you win and beyond. Always fun having should you. I, should I read through? Go Gators. Go Wahoos. Go go Golden Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> ah. well, thanks for joining everybody. Um, thanks, guys. as usual. We are out on Dugout Dish. Follow us on Instagram, emdbaseball.com, for recruiting advice. Um, EMD, EMD Baseball on Twitter and Instagram as well. Go ahead and follow Jonathan and his, his group over at Elite National. Um, thanks for joining. We'll catch up with you next week.